Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, in all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to episode 156, I think, of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady, and um, I'm super excited. I am back with Jay Renna from last week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should. It's a continuation. It's very important. You don't want to miss the prequel. Um, we are continuing our conversation about Scream. Jay, how are you? Hey guys, I am great. I'm excited. This has been fun. I, how was the feedback on the last episode? Because like I said, I don't listen to anything back again. So like once I like you stop recording, I'll never just pick up on it, it again. <laughs> like, trust me. If I didn't have to listen to my voice, like I would never hear, I would never hear my <laughs> own podcast. Um, people liked it. Like I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of messages from people being like, oh my God, I can't believe you brought up like Sydney wearing the same outfit in this third yeah. movie. Like well, people it was, were yeah. living. That's good because like obviously we're both really excited. I was like, this is is one of those episodes that's like a one-off from your usual, you know, topic. Yeah. So I was like hoping, I was like, I hope people love this like quick little change we're doing momentarily. No, yeah. People seem to really like when I do a random, unexpected, like fun thing that they love. People so- love a twist. People love a twist and people love Scream. Like, people Isn't love- that crazy to still like find out that people are like, oh my God, thank you for doing this. Yeah. It's, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know people were actually still wanting us to talk about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I thought it was just us us gabbing away and everyone else was like, no, I'm with you guys on this. And that was really cool to like read. I was reading some of the Instagram comments. Yeah, my most selfish episodes are the ones that people love the most. And then the ones that I think I'm like doing something for other people, they're like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Not your best work, Troy. Not your best work trying to please people. But when I'm like, hey, I only want to talk about Britney Spears' feet for an hour. People are like, yes, King. Yes, Dad. Do it. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Go off, King. Fully. Um, so we're going to be talking today about Scream 3, of course. We're going to talk about Scream 4. And yeah. um, it's very timely because there's been some like super important announcements made about Scream 5. So I obviously want to end this episode by getting your thoughts about the upcoming scream and our hopes and dreams and fears uh <laughs> and just all the things and yeah because today was like major like announcement dump for scream five which yeah really exciting i love when that shit happens we're we're like where we're supposed to be that's what that means exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously i first have to get like your general do you remember seeing scream for you for the first time yeah, I remember, like, being so young and not really understanding it at, 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 at first, just because I didn't realize, I mean, it was the first time, like, ever that, at that young age being exposed to, like, a meta storyline. Totally. Because I understood that at this point in Scream, there's movies within a movie called Stab, mm-hmm. which is the Scream universe's Scream. and at this point they're shooting stab three and i just thought like it was the first time i'd ever seen like that kind like having its own property be like the main the main storyline and 
having the people cast as Sydney and everyone, I was like, what are they doing here exactly? It was weird. It, it was. It is one of the weirder entries of totally. of all four films. I think it's honestly the most fun though. I re- I remember that feeling of like this is a fun fun romp, and that was kind of like why a lot of people hate it. Right. Um, because this one in Scream Three is purposefully like toned down. Like they water down like all the murders and like all the violence. It's very minimal. And it's more of like an adult Scooby-Doo than anything. I think Scooby-Doo was like the greatest thing to compare it to because it's truly like, it really is like stab, 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 stab. Like it's just like, it, it, it is very light. It, it leans into the comedy elements of Scream. And yeah. this one, you know, people would argue that it leans in too much and it becomes at times a little like slapsticky or... It you gets know. really campy when I think it didn't mean to be as campy as it came across. Yeah. Like, it's campy in a way that feels almost, like, a little disrespectful to the previous films, in a way, where it's, like... I agree, yeah. You know... Good it, way to put it. Like, taking these characters that people love and just fully turning them into, like, SNL characters is, like, a little weird, but... I do love, I agree with you. I think it's the most fun to watch. It's, if I'm watching a screen movie, cause I'm not like, I'm not the kind of person who really loves to watch movies with other people, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah, the only child in me is always like shushing people. Like I'm not fun to watch a movie with. <laughs> but Scream 3 is a movie that I don't have any problem. I love watching a movie like this with people. Cause it's like silly and fun. You, you don't have to, be totally engaged and it's funny um it's like yeah and it's that kind of movie that will play on like a usa network like with commercial breaks (laughs) and they don't have to edit anything out of it (laughs) yeah there's no need there's no (laughs) point in editing any like darkness out because there really is none it's just like it's straight up it's just like a really fun whodunit and like Mm -hmm. you know Gil Weathers in a magnifying glass, just like what running around studio lots, like hmm, yeah, giving you Angela Lansbury for like Woodsboro <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, Scream Three is it's what I guess most people would consider to be sort of like the redheaded stepchild of this franchise. Yeah. It's like the one that stands out as like the weird one. And you know, I think when you're talking about the weirdness of this movie, it's important to note that it was released. It's so funny. We were just talking about this. It was released in the year 2000. And mm-hmm. it feels very year 2000. Like, Yeah, and it looks it too. And this is the one <laughs> yeah. that, um, this is actually the one movie that's not written by Kevin Williamson. Um, right. I, I, I should know this, but I forget why he was, I think he was just fired or something. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I've read that he was, like, overworked. Okay, that makes, whoops, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, Sorry, this notification on my computer threw me off. Um, Yeah, so Aaron Kruger comes in and writes this third entry, and he's more of, like, I was looking at his IMDb, like, more of, like, an action movie star writer. Mm -hmm. Like, big, like, you know, like, Transformers and shit, like, that kind of, like, the screenwriting. And so they brought him in, and the studio, or the um, the Weinstein's 
which is so weird that this franchise is so attached to the wine scene. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> but they purposefully were like, hey, we need to tone this down. There's like the Columbine had happened and there is, you know, America's war against violence in the media. And they even like go into that in the movie. But they said like for the script for the third one, we need to like water this down or else they're not going to release it. And you can really, you know, it's really tell that it's one, it's a new writer and it's just like to like scream light. Yeah, you can tell that this, the person writing this movie doesn't necessarily like have an investment in these movies. Like he doesn't understand the tone of the Scream franchise. And this is a person who thinks because the previous Scream films had dark humor that it's going to be okay to just have Jay and Silent Bob show up to like, it's like <laughs> it's just very clear that it was a bunch of different people making a different movie mm-hmm. you know like god that cameo is so jarring every oh, single so time weird <laughs> it just like it, there's so many things that take you out of this movie but then at the same time it's like because there are so many things that take you out of like trying to take it seriously it's like just don't like yeah just don't try and take this movie serious and you'll have so much fun when you watch it yeah, and I think that's a lot of people don't take that advice. I know I didn't for a while because I purposefully was like, this sucks. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. And then just realizing <laughs> later in life that like, you know what? This is fun. It's yeah. not it's not great. And it's a I would say it's like a very lukewarm entry of the series. But yeah, once you like realize that, okay, let's just kinda like just chill out and like turn my brain off a little bit and just kind of watch this little like whodunit adventure. Yeah, and, like, to kind of circle back to the 2000s thing, it's, like, if you think about... It's almost, like, fitting that this movie was so confused about what it was because, mm-hmm. personally, I feel like horror movies in, like, the year 2000, like, 2001, just, like, horror just didn't know what it was going to be for, like, the millennium. Yeah, because at this point, we had Scream, and then all the Scream wannabes came out, and mm-hmm. now it's, like, okay, then what? So we're kind of in that period before it starts turning into like the saws of it all. Totally. It's like right before that, which then became like its own sort of defining moment of horror, like Mm -hmm. torture porn. But like before I was reading the the list of 2000s horror movies and it was like all over the place. It was like American Psycho, the cinematic masterpieces, and then (laughs) like Blair Witch 2. And uh, that movie is so weird. So weird. And like Urban <laughs> Legend 2. But yeah. also Final Destination. Like the it just you couldn't really tell where horror was gonna go at that point. So in this movie, for having like defined 90s horror, it feels lost. It feels like, well, now what are we supposed to do? Like we've made fun of all these films. Now they're all coming out at rapid pace. We yeah. have to there are competition now. So what do we yeah. do? Exactly. And like, it was such for for a very long time, because there was over a decade gap between three and four. It was just really disappointing in that time to end the saga like on that very like, flat note. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, oh, it was like, it, it, it didn't really like stick this landing that it was, I knew that it wanted to do. Totally. And I knew they wanted to have this big, you know, big grandiose like and like farewell because you know it's a trilogy and we're wrapping it up and we'll never hear from this again but then like it just kind of just falls flat and doesn't really you know deliver the way that i think they originally wanted it to you can tell this movie is going to be weird from the opening 
The yeah. opening of this movie is so weird. It is. It's um well first we get the introduction of a new voice changer. Mm-hmm. Which is God. psychotic. It's insane. It's like some <laughs> fucking CIA, like James Bond insanity. <laughs> so if anyone hasn't seen it, so the voice changer they use has like a million buttons on it. And I couldn't I I mean I'm sure like there was a master class, like how do I use this? <laughs> it looks like a talk boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it mimics it mimics other people's voices like i don't even know like i guess you would record a voice from tv yeah or something and then you were able to speak in that person's voice so that's how like they kind of spice things up with this it's like oh he he's like the killer is like kidnapping voices and using them against people to you know murder them which again sounds fun but that technology like scream is so realistic in a sense like Mm -hmm. in in the universe that it's trying to be that that technology just takes you out of it immediately almost i'm just like what is that totally that's not real (laughs) oh my god it's absurd it's like that voice changer is the equivalent of in like a friday the 13th film when like somebody randomly has like telekinesis powers it's like okay (laughs) like it's like breaking the rules in a way that feels cheap yeah. It's like, oh, this person can just mim- completely to the to the tone, like to the rasp of their voices, can mimic perfectly like <laughs> Gale Weathers. Like this man can just become Gale Weathers. Like it's crazy. <laughs> it's very dangerous. Very dangerous technology. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was actually reading before you and I started talking. I was reading about the original concept for this movie. Mm-hmm. and how it was supposed to originally be like an April Fool's Day, which is like one of my favorite horror movies. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that one in forever. Oh, I love it so much. Need to get, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that this week. Oh, it's so good. Um, and I mean, anybody listening who hasn't seen April Fool's Day, I'm sure you can imagine like generally what the, uh, the twist is at the end. Um, and yeah, this, the original idea for, for Scream 3 was going to be that like these kids were just like obsessed with horror. They were obsessed with the stab franchise specifically. And they wanted to like create an April Fool's Day moment where at the end, Sidney Prescott would walk in and everybody who's been killed is alive and just like hanging out. And it's like this big joke. Uh, I don't know how, I (laughs) feel like that would have been even worse. I'm happy that we got this silly slapstick movie. Yeah, did, was it? I can't remember. Was that actually, actually like actually ever written? I don't think it was written. I think it was just Kevin's idea. Okay. Of what I was he, gonna say like I need to track that script down. I I forgot. I just reminded myself. I was supposed to send you like the Scream Two script. Oh yeah. With all of like the like original killers and scenes and everything. I, I'll send that to you later. But yeah, that would be such a fun read if that existed. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine like? a moment at the end the the whole movie leads up to a moment where sydney walks in and they're all like surprise surprise sid (laughs) i was like we got you there huh yeah (laughs) um (laughs) that's speaking of gail i was telling you like last week that one of my favorite things about gail weathers is that she always like dies and then like i just like love that her and Dewey like literally die and then they just don't die and uh, my best friend Katie and I always quote Gail being like, 
like, oh, the bullet ricocheted off my third rib, bounced right off my lung, and, like, came out through my back. Like, she, like, knows how to, like, she can, like, always tell what happened inside her body with, like, the wounds. <laughs> like, I pull, I pulled that fucking bullet out myself. Yeah. And I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> and she, like, falls through, like, a stage hole, plummets through the, underneath <laughs> the building, is shot in the stomach. She's like, ricocheted off my second rib. So it's like, like, Gail, no, it didn't. Go to the hospital. (laughs) Your your throat was slit, Gail. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing I really, really wanted to talk about, and it's so ironic that you just brought it up, like, you know, the thing that I love the most about Scream 3 now, 10 years later, or whatever, 20 years later, Jesus. Ugh, eek. Uh... (laughs) Ugh, that made me feel sick. Um, yeah, I looked at my calendar on my computer. I was like, oh, he's right. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, that was episode 156 of Dunzo. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like 20 years later, you know, post Me Too and post the cancellation of Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. for people to see, I mean, it's like this movie is now the in my opinion the most meta out of all of the screen oh absolutely like how fucking crazy is that that this is basically a movie about harvey weinstein that's so like psychotic to like be harvey weinstein and then to see this movie or read the script even yeah and like you know what yeah do it and yeah. like it's literally like the it, it literally it's about him <laughs> it's it's mostly about him and how powerful and gross like Hollywood was because it really because that's what one of the reasons I liked it a lot as well as a kid is like I've, I just love like Hollywood scandal mm-hmm. and so when I learned that you know watching this I'm like oh this is a Hollywood scandal movie nice yeah I am a sucker for it and then you know again like the wine scene of it all these years later just being like oh that was about him yeah it's literally produced by Harvey and Bob Weinstein and you know they oversaw the movie like when you go back and read stuff, it's like they, I guess like Bob Weinstein was like more of like the dimension films person, but like they Uh still were both overseeing it and they loved everything about it. Aside from, I think they changed, there was supposed to be two killers and they, they were like, no, we don't want two killers. Like that was Harvey and Bob Weinstein. That was the only thing that they saw sort of strange about the storyline was that there was, yeah, (laughs) loved all of it. They were like, send it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's crazy to think like how powerful they were because they ultimately like through the first one up until four like had say in the movies like had mm-hmm. say on what they wanted to see and like made them change a lot of shit and then we'll talk about like once we get to the meat of like four about that whole because they changed the entire like last third act of that movie yeah and i guess they any- didn't like it yeah and how crazy is that to think like how many because they were so heavy-handedly involved in every project that they were par- like a part of, and yeah, they weren't weird. just like vanity credits, like produced by. Like they were really like in there, like taking things out, adding things, and like because they are who they are, like everyone had to just adhere to that. And just like, okay, cool, we'll change the entire last twenty pages of this movie. Yeah, Bob was like, I just want the whole ending to be different, and then you'll be good. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, But for anybody who I guess is like sort of in the dark or maybe doesn't remember or hasn't seen Scream 3 in forever, like it's literally a movie about like this young girl, Sydney Prescott's mom, Maureen, 
um, sort of allowing herself to be like passed around and taken advantage of by these powerful men in Hollywood, which inevitably, inevitably led to her being raped and killed. Um, and it's like this, it, it represents like so many women in Hollywood. Like it really is mm-hmm. like, you're right. Like the best thing about this movie, aside from all things, is that it's like a Hollywood whodunit, like folklore kind of, you know, it's a very Hollywood film. Yeah, it's very like insider, which I love. And there's yeah. like, I mean, the the cameos in this movie so good, except for Jane Silent Bob. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> that's the only bad one. Like that one comes out of left field, and that it it goes nowhere. Oh my god, it's so stupid. And then they like, I mean, you have like Jenny McCarthy in this movie. Like, there's just so many random my favorite anti-vaxer. it's there's just so many random random people where you're like what the hell like parker posey is this movie for me it that's just a fact i mean right this is her movie (laughs) this is parker posey's movie and everyone else is just along for the ride and that is how you always should go into this movie before you watch it so like this is a parker posey movie this is a Parker Posey film. <laughs> Every scene she's in is the funniest thing I've literally ever seen. You know, she's not speaking. Right. Yeah, her <laughs> facial expressions and her body movements are fucking amazing. Her clothes, she's dressed like a like a Josie and the Pussycat doll. Like, what? <laughs> she is Fiona again. Can we also just talk about how I combine Josie and the Pussycats with Josie and the Pussycat dolls? Yeah, I, I, I let you have the dolls one. <laughs> yeah, but sure. Dolls. She's like wearing like like little buns, like kids. She's wearing clothes. yeah, she's wear she's basically wearing like Tara Reed's um costumes from Jersey and the Pussycats. Right. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And like I could do I mean honestly this Oh my god, are we doing a Jersey and the Pussycats podcast next? <laughs> Can we play it? A, f- a five-hour, eight episodes. <laughs> Let's just go through Tara's whole just, like, entire moment. Like, everything she's done. I'm not even kidding. Oh, my God. Remember that? I still, like, I like posting it every now and then, but that picture I took with her from the, the horror convention I went to, like, five years ago. Oh, yeah. I paid her $20 in cash to take a picture with her. <laughs> and I'm sure she took out, like, a grocery bag and she, put it in there. Yep. She sure did. Um, my friend stole her cigarette in the, from the parking lot her like burnt cigarette butt it was a marble uh, menthol oh my god did it have lipstick on it um no but he was like i was like why because i met them in the parking like after we were going home and i was like what's in your hand he's like oh this is Harry reed's cigarette it's like what that's iconic yeah it was like it's a marble menthol <laughs> like, of that's course really it is. iconic yeah, i would have done um, the exact same thing exactly um sorry to turn this into a tara reed show but it's always a, this is a tara reed podcast <laughs> it is um but no, like literally the the spinoff that I've always wanted from the Scream franchise is Parker Posey and Courtney Cox just like buddy copping it up the whole oh time. Oh my God. I just want to see them go to like a department store sale together. Oh my God. Like <laughs> when they are like in the climax of the movie, when they're finally like they're like linked arms and just like <laughs> running through the mansion together and screaming in each other's faces it's amazing yes their chemistry is wild off the charts <laughs> um 
I also think, listen, I've watched this movie 30 million times. Uh-huh. The plot is insane. It truly, truly is. <laughs> it's crazy. Do you this, feel like this, you can explain what this movie is about to be? Like, do you feel like you could? I, I, I'm trying to do it now, like, on this show. And I'm still, like, I have, like, I need at least, like, 20 minutes to, like, set up the story before I can even say, like, so this is what this movie's about. <laughs> you just need to know everything before yeah. in order for, like, this is an example of screaming that kind of, you can't just start on this one. Because oh once God. we get to the reveal of it all and like hear the backstory and how it all traces back to the first one, like there's just so much story. That's we talked about this in the previous episode, but like how these movies just have like great stories aside mm-hmm. from oh my god, there's a killer on the loose. Like this again, I said it last time, but it's like a Shonda Rhimes drama. Totally. If you take all the killing away from it, but yeah, no, this, the third one just uses like you need so much of the first movie to really explain the third movie. Totally, and like, I think when I was younger, I used to be like, you know, it's like I I don't totally understand the concept of this movie, but I don't care. Uh-huh. And then I got older and like would try and piece it together, and I was like, wait a minute, so Roman is Sydney's br- spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> Roman Roman is Sydney's brother. And he's he orchestrated the events of the first movie. It's all because of him, which I hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Roman sucks. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he's the lamest, like, reveal of the killer of all of the movies. Yeah, he really is. It's such a, like, when the mask gets pulled and you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sure, why not? Let's see why. <laughs> Totally. And this, yeah, this is very, like, again, this is super, if this was a Friday the 13th movie, it would be Sydney getting, like, you know, like, powers, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, now we have a, we have sibling involvement. It's like, here we go. This is, you know. Yeah. This is Halloween 2. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> Sydney's got a brother who's crazy. And whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and the fact that he pulled the long con. Oh my god, are you kidding? Like a 10-year con? <laughs> yeah. He was like, I, I scoured around Woodsboro and and watched the murders that I... Or it's like, okay. Okay, come <laughs> okay. on. Come on. Um, let's the talk director. about... He directs. <laughs> he directs. He's hot, though. Scott Foley's so hot. Uh, sometimes. I think he's gorgeous. I've I think he is, too. I, I, I think so, too, but I honestly not in this movie. Yeah, true. He's no charm in this movie at all. Not even as like a menacing like. There's just nothing. He's just he's whiny the entire time. Yeah, which you know, as, as to quote Sydney, takes some fucking responsibility. Yes. I love at the end of this movie that she's just over it and beats his ass because she's she over. She is done. <laughs> she's she like, is bruh, Dunzo canceled. Like, I'm, like, I'm sick. Like, look, fine. Your your motive makes sense, but like, I'm gonna go home. Yeah, like, I'm going to live through this, and my friends are too, and, like, I'm fucking over your shit. Like, save your melodramatic shit about, like, the movies and and family. Like, I don't care. Um, Yeah. Speaking of, let's talk about, I mean, I want to talk about the characters of this movie and, like, where their story ends up here, but, like, let's start with Sydney. Let's start with our final girl. Like, what do you think about Sydney Prescott in this movie, even though she's in it for four minutes? 
Um, <laughs> very true. Um, it's interesting that after all of it, we do find that she's now living in the mountains mm-hmm. under living under the name Laura. Yeah. Um, she's a, like a suicide hotline girl. Um, I guess just, you know, making sure people don't kill themselves over the phone. And, but she's so skittish now. And just, it's, it's weird because after all of it, like it is kind of a natural progression. Like, oh, she's over, like she's scared of all of this. Everyone's trying to kill her. So let's put her into the woods where she hasn't mm-hmm. seen anybody in X amount of time. Did they ever explain how long she was like away? I don't think so. Because it, it might've been like an actual like, three-year gap because it's three years from like the second movie and the third movie um, it does when it, they like want you to like notice she's really established like a new like she's really like in her new life with her dog and her house mm-hmm. and stuff in her scary house yeah <laughs> in her so um, long skirts <laughs> off the grid <laughs> um no it's it's an interesting choice that they went with that um it does make sense but i I don't know. It's weird to see her like starting there. Yeah. It's um it's weird. It's like Scream is one of the only movies I think of all of the franchises that really gives like a a true, you know, our final girl if she is going to keep living through this like she is tortured. Mm-hmm. You know, she is much more closed off and sort of numb and, and cold to people than she used to be when she was a teenager. And that's great, you know? Like, it's, like, cool to see her have, like, an actual progression and not just, like, give you teenage final girl every time she's on screen because it's, like, yeah. you know, it, it gives, like, a more realistic uh, representation. But it is weird to see Sydney introduced in the movie as just, like, living in the mountains and, like, and then they leave her in the mountains because, you know, she had, like, scheduling issues or whatever, and she, like, couldn't do a lot of the movie. Yeah. But you, it's like yeah, you that was through. one of the... I'm sorry. I was gonna say, no. that was one of the reasons why she's in the movie for, like, four minutes. Because yeah. she was doing another movie. And they only had her for, I think, like... I Was it, I think, like, two weeks they had her? Yeah, I think I read that it was two weeks. And, like... Mm. Uh, throughout this entire like five month production and which is crazy because these movies are about her and for her to for the scheduling to be like oh instead of like you know moving the schedule of the third film they just kind of like well if we only get her for two weeks that's that's how it's got to be we gotta and so they still like went on to make this movie that she's in like in the beginning and the end and that's really it yeah, it's weird that, like, they're like, okay, so we don't have the original writer who wrote this, like, groundbreaking script that literally changed film. Uh, we don't have our main character. <laughs> but let's just wing it. Yeah. Let's just bring two in a weeks. guy on two movies. <laughs> we'll bring in a guy that's director that's written two films. Um, and we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, the thing that I hate about it is that it's like she's up in the mountains or whatever. And I'm, like, willing to indulge this this narrative Mm -hmm. where like she's reclusive like duh of course she would be but they go and they have these moments with her in the mountains where she has these really weird stupid scenes that feel very Uh. like sydney feels like a guest star in her own movie and all of her scenes are pretty annoying yeah they i love for whatever the fuck reason they introduce like the supernatural elements of it all 
Uh, <laughs> we get to see Sydney's mom as a ghost, as a ghoul, as a, go- as a ghost <laughs> in a nightgown. <laughs> and honestly, when I was little, she really did scare the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> I know, it's <this> terrifying. <laughs> Mother needs to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know why they gave her such a weird inflection. <laughs> so she talks weird. it. She talks in questions. um but yeah like those scenes are just i mean i think one of the most embarrassing scenes of this movie that has a lot of embarrassing scenes Uh uh-huh i mean this is a movie where the only like black character literally right before he dies says oh you motherfuckers like so this has (laughs) this movie has a lot of embarrassing moments but like it's like when that happened, I remember, like I'll I never forget when that happened. Like the I remember thinking like when I was a child, being like, why did they make him say it like that? Oh, you motherfucker! He hadn't. He's not spoken like that this whole film. No, like all of a sudden he's like a fucking Seven Up spokesperson or something. Um, but like Sydney seeing her mom is really one of the most. It's like wow, this is really a different movie. Like this, yeah. we, we're in a different world right now. Because, like, it's like, yeah, she sees her ghost, but then, like, again, the way they make her talk, and then every time she speaks, it's there's, like, an, like a really, like, cartoonish, like, echo to be yeah. like, oh, she's a ghost. Yeah. Okay. I can tell by her echoey voice. Yeah, because she's chains. Mm. <laughs> um, and then as far as our other, like, sort of central characters, I actually really like the Dewey and Gale of this movie. I love it. Yeah, I do, too. Um, they're all, they always start their movies with them being mad at each other. I know, I know, they do. Because they start Scream Two is like, oh, we're not speaking, and then they start <laughs> yeah. Scream Three like, oh, we're not speaking. I love it. I love their storyline in this one, and I love that in this one it's like, like in the second one it's fun because it's it's always fun to see Dewey and Gil team up together. You know, uh-huh. like they're sort of like the Bart and Lisa of scream like <laughs> that's a good way to put it it's fun and like in this one there's such a like a couple now you know yeah, you can definitely tell there's so much the chemistry between courtney cox and david arquette on screen the what yes the chemistry oh, okay sorry your audio cut off a little bit oh sorry um but yeah they're just like it's just i mean it's like you feel like you're watching some intimate moment that you shouldn't even be allowed to see yeah and then also same way with like the fourth one, which we'll get into. But like, yeah, I don't believe that they're acting. I think this no. is all very real. <laughs> like, yeah, what is on camera is a real discussion that they're having. Totally. And by this point, they've been able to like meet each other, become a, an item, get married and really become like this thing because of these two characters. So mm-hmm. it's like, the audience watching that and then them knowing it, it just, it just adds so much to this movie. It's so much of like what this movie needed because without that, I don't even know what the hell this would have been. That is interesting to think about because nothing in this movie feels organic and Mm -hmm. like really natural and relatable (laughs) because it's just a scream. There's like a series of just scenes stitched together yeah totally with some very light killing involved because these deaths in the movie are so tame oh my and god circling back to saying because of the columbine of it all like they had to tone down the violence but ser- there's like 
maybe like a shot glass worth of like fake blood used this entire movie. And I'm trying to think of who has the most gory death. You never like, see anything. That's the thing. Like everyone dies. Like whenever um, Jenny McCarthy gets killed, she gets thrown through a window and stabbed in the back, but we don't see the knife. Yeah. We just close in on her face. And then again, like with Angelina, um, we don't see her like really die. We see her after she died. Like, right. We don't see any of these people actually really get murdered like we have been in the last two films. Yeah, we don't see a single murder. I just realized that we don't we don't really see anybody die. You know what we do see though? A fucking house blow up. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on, I'm going back in. <laughs> no, it's I think I I think it might have been you, it might have been someone else. I like that we both have our friends, like your friend and then my friend Kelly, who is like our scream friend. I know. <laughs> because I think it was her who told me like the the house can blow up. We can kill someone by a gas lake, sure. But she's like, I fucking hate the zoom in on everyone's face right before it happens. Oh my god, it's so bad. Because it's like it's like they hear like they can't hear him. They because like the line is whoever smells the gas but then they act right. like they read that with him right <laughs> but they're like 40 feet away they're outside he's inside and for some reason they heard him say whoever smells the gas and they pieced it all together in that moment that makes no sense it's trash and i love it amazing and then what are the odds like how what are the odds that the killer would know that he would use a lighter to read the last passage of his letter and honestly, that house wasn't even that dark. He could have just held it up to the window. I know. Or like taken it outside by the lit pool. <laughs> whoever <did> start. <laughs> whoever smells. Wait a minute. Whoever smells. It's like <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> this giant, this like house in the Hollywood Hills, this big ass house just explodes. <laughs> and they are thrown <laughs> down the hill. Oh, I love when they get thrown down the hill and then they fight at the end of the hill. <laughs> um, I, do think, I think this movie has one of the most brilliant setups in the whole series. Uh-huh. Uh, Sydney in her set home from oh, childhood. That, yeah. Amazing. That part is really good. Like, this That's the thing. Like, We can talk shit about this movie. There are some really great moments in it. Mm-hmm. That really do like propel the Sydney story of it all. Yeah, and that one was really cool because that's one of the like few moments in the movie where it's like it gets kind of real on you. Yep, when she's like going through the set of her house and then like reliving things and then seeing like the murder scene because we've never seen the murder scene of her mom. Yeah, so having them oh, yeah. recreate it like in her bedroom, it, it was, was amazing. Really cool. It was super effective, and then for her to like, you know, that little moment where she uses the closet door to 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 lock her bedroom door like she used yeah. to do it as a teenager like just those little like th- like callbacks was really cool uh-huh. um i love when she like falls out of the roof like she did in the fr- it's just it's fun that's my favorite probably scene of the entire film yeah yeah it, it, it's so it's so well done like and this is the suspense is there and everything yeah um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I have to say about Scream 3. I mean, oh, we haven't talked about Gail's hair. <laughs> oh, anything else to talk about? I am about? so sorry, audience. Damn. I know everyone's yelling in their cars right now. Like, when the <laughs> fuck are they going to talk about the bang? <laughs> I'm rapidly losing subscribers as we 
<laughs> they got an hour into it and no bangs. Canceled my subscription. <laughs> fuck your Patreon. What the fuck? Okay, let me just start by saying this. 20 years later, it's batshit crazy. But I remember that Weird Little Bangs had... <laughs> there are two things from this movie that I remember having a moment. Um, Like, leather pants. Oh, so many. So many leather pants. And I remember that being a thing. Like, col- like colored leather pants, like red and blue and like random... I always wanted a red leather jacket that I saw in Teen People magazine once. Like, leather was having a real <laughs> moment in, in the year 2000. Like and, a leather flare with a boot? Yes. Yes. The true a, a chunky boot? <laughs> yes. And Little Bangs. Little Bangs were a thing for a short period of time, but Gales are just the most memorable Little Bangs. They cut all the way up to her fucking forehead. Like, <laughs> They're crazy. They are crazy. <laughs> like... And she has, like, the sharpest eyebrows, too. So, like, the entire, like, hair situation, like, from her eyebrows up, it's just very intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gail always has the most, like, tr- like trendy, but in the worst way, haircut of, like, the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, the worst trend of the year is what Gail has as her hair. And I, it's a feeling you don't forget, because the Gail is introduced with a close-up from the neck up. That is her first scene when she's speaking at that school. Mm-hmm. The first scene, the entire screen is her face and <laughs> her bangs that are like eight feet long because you're watching it in a theater. It's just so jarring. It's so jarring. And it's it, the even better thing about the hair moment is that uh, Parker Posey has Gail's Scream 1 hair for stabs. Yes. So it's like, it's just great. Like the movie literally celebrates Gail's iconic hairdryer. <laughs> because it is iconic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just going back to the Parker Posey of it all, just as soon as they meet, they're just immediately attacking each other in a really fun way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately get like Parker Posey's like manic energy. She's like, oh my god, Gail! Oh my god, Gail! She's like, I'm you! You're (laughs) me! I'm you! It's amazing! (laughs) It's amazing! She's like, I feel like I'm in your mind. And she's like, oh, that would explain my constant headaches. (laughs) Yeah! uh, Murdered her. This was for the gays. That that relationship was was for the gays. It was. (laughs) It was like, let's give the gays... This was for the girls! Yeah, let's give the gays that (laughs) camp they love so much. (laughs) um and yeah and the 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 i mean i would talk more about the the reveal of the killer but it's just so fucking lame like it's yeah oh but we do get a reveal that parker posey was this killer in stab three yeah (laughs) that's that's the reveal (laughs) so parker posey (laughs) (laughs) she unfortunately catches catches ghostface's knife but right before she dies, she lets everyone, she screams that she's the killer in Stab 3. And I'm like, I want to see that movie. Also, by the way, the most, for me, the most gut-wrenching. It death. really is. Because she is written so well. Because she isn't just like a walking like punchline. Mm-hmm. She actually is a part of that story. And it really gets into it. And you believe that she really does want to get at the other end of this. She isn't like, I mean, with everyone else, 
like all the other supporting cast is like, oh, they they are really just dead bodies like waiting to happen. Right. Any like you could have been any face. It could have been like anybody. But with with her character, it was like, oh, we actually did root for this one. Yeah. And like her existence in the movie is just it's meta in a way that only Scream could do. Yeah. Like the fact that she is Gail's character in the movie about their lives and she is clearly in love with Dewey as Gail was. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's just amazing. Oh my God, her cigarette scene. Oh. <laughs> I haven't had one of these in a year and a half. Someone's going to pay for this. <laughs> and then just like the choice to have her just like curl up in her bodyguards, like shoulder. Oh yeah. To like throw her with her like little Asian inspired clogs. Very <laughs> the year 2000. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She's who do you like, think she is in Hollywood real life? Like, who is she? Oh, God. Isn't that crazy? To, I just thought of that question. Of like, who it's is am- she? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> we'll get back to you with another episode on that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's its own like hour. <laughs> that could be an entire hour for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll have the audience let us know. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that is really profound for me about this movie. I will also say that um, before we, because he like makes an appearance, I will say that I've never connected to a, like, you know, people like choose what character you would be in a movie to die. Yeah. Like in the Buzzfeed of it all, Uh you and I are so Randy that it's almost scary. It is that. And I need to talk about that too. Um, So Randy makes an appearance by a, a pre-recorded video mm-hmm. just explain again doing his rules explaining so he's explaining the rules of a trilogy that's fine it's it's kind of sad however how the fuck did his little sister played by heather maserato get access to the studio and is just like hanging out in this trailer <laughs> she's literally walking around this hollywood light like she's fucking drew barrymore like she's the she's, <laughs> there's like, no like tags on she doesn't have a badge or she's not working there she, they just run into her and she's like, you guys need to see this tape. And they watch this sad tape. And then she says, we miss you in Woodsboro, guys. Come back. And then she just walks. Out, like, Where did she go? Yeah. Because she just said she's still in Woodsboro. So what are you doing here? Like, that's what the first question should have been. Gil Weathers back on the, the case. <laughs> Gil Weathers should investigate that too. Like, what the fuck was Martha doing here? And that's such a weird scene because it's like, well, obviously the movie knows that they shouldn't have killed Brandy. They mm-hmm. like know that they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. People love Randy. I mean, it has to probably be the most devastating kill of the whole franchise. Really? Because it's it's also just it's devastating, but it it's it works because it is mm-hmm. so fucking brutal, Randy's death and scream too. Mm-hmm. And it would have to be like like Randy being like the person who knows everything, like his death would have to be like big, you know, and it is mm-hmm. iconic. Yeah. But yeah, you and I are very, I mean, we would be, we are the Randy of every horror movie. We are. And it, 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 to the point where we're even just like, if if a killer is, if, if this situation is happening in real life, like I'm staying home. Yeah. I'm not going to go find out who's doing this. I've seen how this plays out. We are both, gay men of color yeah. we're not making it out i know it's mm-hmm. 2020 we're still not making it out <laughs> no <laughs> i'm staying home until someone else kills the killer 
I refuse. That's to have what Randy rug. taught me. <laughs> I refuse to have a a Persian rug pulled from under me. I refuse to say "Oh, you motherfuckers" before I die. I won't do it. <laughs> you couldn't catch me doing that. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> so Tyson should have died right there, right when he cracked his neck on the floor. Yeah, and then I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but when he says "Oh, you motherfucker," his mouth doesn't move. Oh, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I never noticed that, but now it makes sense because I'm playing that line back in my head, and yeah, that is full like ADR. Right, it's very post production. Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker! He came in to record that. <laughs> like so sad. Like, we, <laughs> like, hey, do you want this check? You better come in and embarrass yourself. <laughs> like, we need you to say an urban line. <laughs> More urban. <laughs> Like the white director is like, more urban, please. Yeah. Could you say motherfucker instead of motherfucker, please? <laughs> Take 12. <laughs> um, let's talk about Scream 4. Scream 4. We are now, what is it? It came out 11 years, 10 years after part three? Yeah. So, so yeah, Scream 4 was intended to be a reboot of the franchise. It was supposed to be another trilogy. Like, for, like, Four was supposed to be the beginning of four, five, and six, which were supposed to just be like year after year. We're supposed to have like a second trilogy. Is kind of what they were. Yeah, they were aiming for. That's what they wanted, but because of its lukewarm box office performance and the the Weinstein of it all, it like just didn't happen. So this movie didn't perform well. No, it broke, it like, broke even. Like, it didn't, like, make anything. It, like, just made its own budget back. And so, Isn't like, that like, crazy? It, yeah, it, like, didn't tank, but it, it, it just made it, like, no one made any money. Like, there was no profit from it. It just broke even. And I think, God, like, the rule is, like, in order to be, like, a success, you have to, like, triple, make back right. triple what you have spent on it. And it just, like, made it even. So it was a, it's very, like, a very middle, like, average performance. I mean, there's two people who are, like, obviously very immersed in this movie. It's, like, I, that's, like, so out of my realm. Like, I don't understand this movie not being, like, a Like, a I went to the midnight table. show, like, at, like, and showed up, like, hours early. Yeah, like, this was a real, uh, like, a life event. For it me. was. Like, I remember, so I remember exactly which theater and, like, where I went. And, like, I remember... <laughs> Um, it was the same theater that I had just watched the Hunger Games in the day before. Like, mm. the same, like, auditorium. <laughs> I saw this movie. I think this may be the movie that, in my life, I've seen the most in a theater. Just because, at the time, I remember just being really, like, aware of the fact that, like, you know, it's a, it was a big deal to see a screen movie, like, in the theater. And, like, you know, I, I knew that, like, I would want to remember the experience of having gone to see it at the actual theater so i went with my friend katie like eight times we literally saw it so many times in a row no i we i went every single day opening weekend with different groups of friends like i did Thursday, friday saturday because like at that time i was I i was home in like the dallas area and like i had friends who lived like in different parts of town and friends who weren't available like on a thursday or friday and i was like okay well, then we'll go sunday and then i went with my dad like on, <laughs> on like monday like i like saw it every single day for four days in a row at, like different theaters across north texas did you so when this movie came out did you love it or do you love it more now than you did then or like where is it i no like i i tried really hard to be like kind of critical on it when i first went into it mm-hmm. so i was like you don't know what you're about to see we don't, we don't know where these characters have been for the last decade. 
Right. And we don't know what this is going to be like. So like go into it and, but no, as soon as like the credits rolled, I was just straight up like, I fucking loved it. Nothing was wrong with that movie. This was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you still love it now as much as you did then? I do actually. Um, I was, I just rewatched it um, a couple weeks ago and I, I've watched it about two times since quarantine started and then a third time a couple weeks ago. And I, I, I love it. I think it's fun. There are a lot of missteps in it, mm-hmm. but I think it's nowhere near as good as the first two, but like miles above the third one. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. It has that same tone again. Like it's because basically in part four, we go back to Woodsboro Mm-hmm. Um, it's 10 years later. Sydney's now, she's a writer. She just released her first book about being a survivor. Uh, she stepped into the sunlight and out of darkness. Um, God. And so she's back in Woodsboro since the first trilogy. Like she hasn't been back home. And so, of course, as soon as she comes back, another series of murders happen. And um, yeah, and it was just, it's, it was fun having that, like, feeling back of, like, okay, now we're, we're not in this grand, like, Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. We're not in, like, college. We're back home. And it feels like that. Because a fun fact that I think one of the reasons it feels so organic is, like, West doesn't never use sets. Like, they never, like, built sets for, the, for any of it. Or I'm mm-hmm. sure they did for some, but, like, all, like, the first movie and then in part four, they film, like, in these, these poems are real. Like, they film in real houses. Like, they're not, like, building a house to play, like, the house. Like, they actually, like, went to, I think it was, like, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and just, like, rented all these homes to shoot in. You can honestly feel that. Like, I just recently watched, um, I know, I didn't watch it. I've been listening to, it's old, but mm-hmm. um, uh, what the hell is, uh, the director of, um, oh, my God, I can't think of it. I'm going to look it up right now while I'm talking about um, I've been listening to this podcast and every single week, uh, they have like a, a different director on to talk about like their experience with horror and like what it means to them or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. one of the episodes that I just listened to was about suburban horror. And mm-hmm. that is like, that's just something that Scream is so good at. Like it is, you yeah. know, it's just there's just like this certain feeling of like suburban horror that feels different than anything else of like this mundane sort of suburban houses in a normal neighborhood where shit is going down and it's real as fuck and the houses in the screen movies feel very real to me yeah they do and they do such a good job of like really lending itself to like yes this is a unassuming small town and somewhere in northern california and they do a really good job at like really making you feel that you're you were just put in somewhere random in america it's eli roth by the way it's eli roth's podcast that is like it's like a year oh, old. okay did you ever listen to that i didn't i didn't even know that existed so that's something fun to look forward to yeah you'll love it there's like a diablo cody episode where they talk about jennifer's body there's um a stephen king episode there's like a Quentin Tarantino episode, like, it's great, and they just, it's horror, it, there's a Rob Zombie episode, it's amazing, um, but oh, yeah, cool. I, that's, I just, I love suburban horror, like, as far back as, like, Halloween, I just love, like, small town. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's, because that's what makes the, you know, the horror of it all, is that this isn't some, like, you know, it isn't, like, a big, like, LA city, it's, 
mm-hmm. anywhere. It's any tiny place in America, like no one's safe kind of thing. Yeah, and like, I don't know. One of the, the other thing that I think is really interesting about Scream 4 specifically is that it feels like a fan service movie. It feels like a movie mm-hmm. that is literally meant to cater to the fans of this movie. It's like, yeah. And there's things about that that I like. There's a little bit of it. But there's also. Yeah, because the- that can backfire. And it- yeah. Yeah, because they get really close. Because I agree with that. They get they walk a really fine line of wanting to actually make a really great next chapter of this franchise, but also because they know that they've been off like off the air. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. weird. They haven't had a you know it hasn't existed for over a decade. So they're like, okay, we're gonna bring this back. We need to tell the story, but we're gonna have some fun with it because right. we know what the crowd wants. And so it does serve. It does do a lot of fan service. I think it's fine in this movie, but they do get really, really fucking close of just like, okay, let's not do this. Right. Like you didn't have to do, (laughs) you know what I mean? There are moments where I'm like, okay, like there's a moment where, um, it's like Gail's, like one of Gail's first scenes where she like reads, um, the new cop and she's like, still got it. Still Gail Weathers. It's like, all right. Everybody in this movie is very aware of like their character. Yeah. No, that was a. Uh, that's when she talked to Allison Bree's character. Yes. Still. Because um, she goes, yeah, she's like, I'll revitalize your face with my tarnished brand. Right. And then just, yeah, that when she walks away and just like, and it, she like, I wish that wasn't there. It was fun. That, but that is one of the moments where I'm like, okay, that was, that could have gone really wrong. Um, yeah. For her to just like self like to do that to herself like to say that line to herself like i still got it it's like all right you know that you're gil weathers like it just there's things sometimes it doesn't work but for the most part i think it does work i really 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 enjoy watching this movie and Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that is fan servicey that works is amazing like the opening of this movie is only for fans it is only for people that love these movies and it is it's so good because it what because yeah you open up we have just like like it is just like gushing with celebrity cameo like Mm -hmm. right off the bat which is incredible yeah just because you because i i'll never forget like that feeling of watching the opening scene because that was that was something too that my friend and i were like really excited about we're like oh what are they going to do with this opening scene? Because Scream is known for having their very like flashy opening scenes. Yeah. And then as soon as Lucy Hale gets on screen, we're like, oh, okay. So she's going to die because this is Scream. Right. And then, you know, and I remember thinking like, this is really bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because like basically the intro is like her and Shanae Grimes, right? That's how you say her name? Mm-hmm. Um, Trudy. They're getting... Yes. They're getting... Also, like, I didn't know what they were doing because they were getting text on a sidekick three. And I was like, wait, when does this take place? Right. <laughs> and then they get murdered. And I was like, wow, that happened really fast. And then it's fake out opening. Then we get a title of Stab Six. Yeah. And it's so smart because they specifically chose actresses that would be in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just such smart casting it's like 
obviously if you see at this point we've now lived through these movies they're iconic we you know the openings of each one is a big deal so if they started the movie with one big celebrity you know a la drew barrymore like we would know what was going to happen you know and it was so smart to be like yes here are like a a group of like young you know sort of like up and coming but not really so much up and coming because they're on hit like cw style shows yeah and um you obviously know that they're gonna die but then for it to all just be and then like the anna paquin and it just keeps going and it's so it's funny and then to not know that it's like when it actually does become the actual film mm-hmm. it's like so for it to have been sort of funny and like meta and then just get really fucking dark and like really sad like the opening the actual death is like really gut-wrenching yeah once we're out of, out of the stab universe we get to the real first murder of the film yeah did you ever see the alternate version i don't think so oh my god it, it's it's the deaths are switched because so what we see on screen the final thing um there's an alternate opening that's on youtube where jenny is they're you know they're still they're pranking each other as they were and then in the alternate opening, um, the Jenny, who's Amy Teagarden, she's getting like snacks from the fridge, mm-hmm. and her friend is getting stabbed by Ghostface and murder, being getting murdered in front of her, and she's screaming and everything. And then Jenny's like, "Ugh, I'm so over the prank! Like, stop! Who is that?" And then not, she's thinking it's a prank while she's actually really getting murdered. Oh my god, that's so scream too. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. So the wait, I switched it. So the deaths are opposite because um, it's the other girl, um, who ends up getting the the stab before the opening credits, like scream four credits come up. Because uh, he's like hovers over her and she's like, "You're not real," and then he just stabs her, and then we get scream four. So there's no like garage scene or anything. There's a full on like rewrite and reshoot after the fact. Oh, but I'm happy that they did that because the garage scene is like really, it really sticks out for me. Yeah, I'm going to find that link and send yeah, it to send you. Yeah, send that to me. That's, I just, yeah, I thought the opening was so effective and I thought that girl, like the blonde girl who actually dies was so good for only being in the Amy movie. Amy Garden and Brittany, or Brittany something. She was amazing. Yeah. Um. And that being said, I really, really love the characters in this movie. I think it does such a good job of recreating, like, sort of the magic of, like, we've been saying, you know, a million times, like, the sort of, like, soapiness uh-huh. and the 90210 of it all between, like, the, 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 the kids. Yeah. You know, but they have their own thing. It's not, like, trying to be scream one like they have like their own thing. that's what i really like because it really is like you are dropped into these like just average teens lives and they have like drama happening already like we're in the middle of like drama with them yeah like, just like their average like suburban life in woodsboro which was really fun because like oh we're like we're not like they're not force feeding us like what's wrong we're put into their universe when things are already happening yeah, it's like a reality show like um, where everybody's known each other for 10 years. That's what it feels like. Uh-huh, exactly. And speaking of, I mean, Hayden Panettiere's character in this movie is easily <laughs> one of my favorite. She could possibly be like in my top five 
screen characters. Yeah, I would have really. to agree. Just because, so she's introduced as kind of like this generation's like female Randy. Right. She's like the horror buff, and she does it really, really fucking well. <laughs> it's just, it's the acting choices that she made because it could have been, you know, done a hundred different kinds of ways of being like the girl horror nerd. But she plays it like with such like a suaveness to her. Yeah. To where she is a movie nerd, but she also knows that she's like a bad bitch kind of. Yes. Because that's the thing. She's Randy was very, you know, geeky and all that, but she's not. Yeah. She loves horror movies. Like she is the female Randy, but she's like very quick and suave and, you know, like really cool. Yeah, because Randy is very much like what society viewed horror fans as in the 90s (laughs) yes you know and she's like the representation of now where it's like horror is so cool because of these movies and you know it's like a cool girl like her could like horror movies and know everything about them and it's also like i mean you don't realize it until this one that this is the only time that they have decided to make a girl because even in screen two um what is his name? What is the killer's name? Scream 2? Yeah. Mickey? Mickey? Even Mickey is like a horror, you know, like there's always a male horror buff in one of the films and uh-huh. there's never been a, a girl who just likes horror movies in the Scream movies. Yeah. And who's like the anti version of anything we've ever seen. Right. Like the closest thing is like uh, if there is a girl who likes them, they're making fun of them like Rose McGowan like I spit on your garage like she knows Mm -hmm. them but it's like you guys are such dweebs kind of thing yeah exactly (laughs) um we get introduced to Emma Roberts oh my god who people can say what they want I know know. sure yeah is she is she like you know an abuser can she beat some ass yes yes but I really love Emma Roberts I am I, I agree. Everything that we know that's terrible about her, it's like, is she a horrible person to act with on a set? Is she a diva, as they call it? Sure. You know what? She can kick my ass, too. That's fine. I mean, come on. She's so amazing. Like, the American Horror Story of it all, and then the Scream Queens of it all. And I, I, I'm a fan. I'm always going to be a fan. And I hate that she's pregnant. Me, too. <laughs> Honestly, same. When she posted on Instagram, I was like, oh... <laughs> one of those huh <laughs> um and she's so great in this fucking movie she's so i mean for this movie to be smart enough to take its final girl and spoiler alert <laughs> um and make her the killer mm-hmm. to take it's this generation's sydney prescott who very much yeah. in the movie says you know like that's the whole thing she is this generation sydney everybody yeah. around her dies like that was a part of like not only like the marketing of the movie but like the movie is being meta on itself because we are introduced to the new characters who are the next generation version of the characters from the previous films yeah because like we have the female randy with hayden and then with emma she's supposed to be the new uh, nev campbell like they're all they're the new hip younger versions of everyone who we've seen die yeah we even have like a billion stew mm-hmm um, and obviously it's like if you haven't watched the movie yet you expect that you know I mean I don't know like I just envision if, I, if I've never seen this movie and I like sort of lightly know the concept like Nev and Emma Roberts are going to like battle it out together you know and 
be like the two final girls at the end of the movie. That's just sort of where your brain goes. Yeah. So for it to flip like that and have her be trying to kill the other final girl because she wants to be the final girl is Mm. iconic. It truly is. And what I love, it's funny because I rewatching it now, it's fun watching their use of technology Mm -hmm. because she, the motive of Emma Roberts is to be the next Sydney. She wants the fame of it all of being that final girl. So she has to get rid of Sydney in order to make that happen. But like, it's so funny that this is, like this was pre-Instagram. We only had like Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so like, I truly wonder what the next chapter would be like because they love incorporating like whatever technology is happening at the time. Yeah. Because again, they try to make these movies like of the time and try to root them in reality that they're taking place right now in this moment, in in this universe. Yeah. So um, Totally. Jill, would, she would totally be a TikToker. Oh my god, are you kidding? Can you imagine? <laughs> She'd be a TikToker. Doing some renegades. <laughs> and Hayden would be one of those TikTokers that's like, you'll never believe this this crazy story that happened on January 5th of 1997. Like for part two. Like for part two. <laughs> like, that's very her gig. Like, yeah. you'll never believe this cursed horror film and everything that took place on set. <laughs> wow we really went somewhere with that i know i'm like what's her oh what's her username i'm following <laughs> i'm like i just uh, i love all the characters in this movie and speaking of i love this movie's um i love billy and stew i love you know i love a colkin yeah Oh, we love a Culkin. Oh, we support a Culkin. Those on this weird podcast. ass, those weird ass brothers. Oh my God, he is so good in this movie. He's so great. I agree. Um, his character is—it's so funny because he is also supposed to be a Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a weird sense, because he's also the horror movie buff, which was an interesting choice to have like two Randys, two new Randys, yeah. and then have them be the weird flirtatious will they won't they kind of couple right i know i know and it was like up until the end even i was like kind of invested i was like i i care about whether or not she's nice to him yeah and then the tables will turn yeah (laughs) um you know this one this one is so fun it's so like the it's it's weird because it's i think like an hour and 45 maybe 50 minutes but it's so fast paced the entire time. Like this movie doesn't stop. Like as soon yeah. as it let, as soon so as we start it, it's it's just like guns ablazing, like fully at its head at all times. And it's a total return, like you said earlier, it's like a return to form, especially in the sense of like the gore. This movie is so fucking bloody and violent. God, Olivia's death scene is the best. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, that's I think easily i, I mean the most brutal scream killing for in the entire sure. franchise because he not only does he just rip her insides out but we watch him like beat the shit out of her uh-huh <laughs> like really just like like throw her across the room and like kick her in the gut and just like getting the shit beat out of her which we don't really haven't seen anything like that unhinged in this whole franchise no because it didn't feel like with Scream, the deaths are, it's like, I think I said this last week, like, you're used to them being sort of choreographed, like, 
at this moment I trip you, at this moment you fall on your knees, at this moment I throw mm-hmm. a flower pot, you know, I... Well, even with, like, Drew Barrymore scene, like, after we see that her insides were on the outside and she was hanging, we don't actually see that happening. Right. After the fact, with Olivia, like, we see, like, from the moment she is alive until she is dead, like, all of it, uncensored, and it's so, so wild. Yeah, it's crazy. We literally see her guts fall out. Yeah. Her spleen falls out of her stomach. How do we feel about the Anthony Anderson death scene? <laughs> it is one of the lowest points. I mean, that belongs in Scream 3. Yeah, that is that is a moment where it's obvious. Where, like, I think I, I remember reading, like, Wes Craven just really wanted to do that kind of death. Right. And it was just like, and I placed it here. And you can tell that he just really wanted to do something like that. But it doesn't serve anything. And it feels so, like, cartoonish. Totally. And I did read that um, even though he's not like the, he's obviously not the first person to be credited, but um, Aaron, whatever his last name is, did come back to like help co-write this movie. Yeah. So I think so Kevin actually did end up getting fired during production. And I, it's because of the direction that they wanted to go at the end. It was because of the ending. Oh, do you, do you, what was his ending? It was supposed to be more cliffhanger where it was supposed to be more fleshed out where after Jill like kills her, tries to make it look like she was being killed. Um, she, you know, does all that's the same, but she gets away with it. And we don't oh. know. She gets away with it. And we don't know if Sydney lives or died or dies. And so part five was supposed to be how that all pans out. Um, so it was supposed to be more of a cliffhanger. Jill gets away with it. And the Weinsteins were like, this sucks. We need a more, like, finalized ending. And so Aaron, like, added the entire hospital scene at the end. See, like, and that's crazy because I love, I love the hospital moment. The empty hospital? <laughs> yeah. Where they can just wildly, violently fight and nobody ever cares or checks on them. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was, that basically is an alternate ending for an ending that was never shot because like it was supposed to be like Jill gets away with it and then part five was to be like what happens now I mean I will say that does feel more like a horror trilogy ending like that feels like almost like Halloween five like like that's like introducing like a new era of this movie yeah exactly Um, so like I could see like that even though it would have been like a much less like satisfying ending yeah. I could see that being more of like a, it just, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And it, it, it would have been so smart to like actually play it that way because we do like, you know, this is a fan service movie. We know how screen movies end and mm-hmm. to flip it around and give it an open ending and not knowing if Sydney had lived through it. Would yeah. Have been like really fucking brave to like flip it on, in that sense. What do you think about Sydney in this movie? Like, what do you think about Scream 4's like Sydney Prescott? I like so I I feel like the third one should have gone this direction maybe not because in the fourth one she's just released her first memoir about mm-hmm. her entire life and everything that she's been through for the first three movies and she isn't hidden away she just doesn't live in Woodsboro she's like she's taking her fame and like you can tell she's become like she gave into her celebrity in a sense but like right. in a really positive way and and it is the point of the she does say like she couldn't live like that anymore. But I do like this version of Sydney much more than the third Sydney or Scream Three Sydney. 
I do too. Screen three, Sydney is like a full, I mean, it's like insane to say this, but somebody who's like had everybody around her die, but like, she's like such a victim. <laughs> Get over yourself. Get over it. Your mom died a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. All of your friends have been slain years ago. Enough. Get over it. Go to this. Yes, let's go to Trader Joe's and buy some wine. Yeah, let's get you another boyfriend. <laughs> uh, well, that, that's even a like, that's a that's a point in the movie in part four, with because Allison Brie is Sydney's publicist, and Allison Brie is supposed to be the new Gale. Right. And so she, whenever they get in a fight, she's like, Sydney needs to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't had sex since college. She well, really- and they also let it. She also lets it be known that she hasn't. She doesn't drink either. So Sydney's straight up like still like scared because she's like she needs to get laid or get shit faced every once in a while. I'm like, oh, she's she's like really not doing. She's really being careful about her life right now. Yeah, it's fun to see. Um, it's fun to see like I am an adult woman, Sydney, because up to this point, like I guess yeah, you're right. Like in the third one, she's sort of. MB, she's truly not a girl not yet a woman like literally <laughs> and, it, and it has to do with the two weeks of it all like i really do think that like because we have her for two weeks let's just get her in and get her out and yeah they did what they could with story and i feel like if she had that appropriate the entire like you know five months to shoot that we probably would have seen an entirely different sydney and scream three totally one of those weird payoffs because in part four you're like oh this is actually sydney like it makes sense that she feels like Sydney Prescott in part four, where in part three, it just kind of feels like she, it does feel like a special appearance that she did. Yeah, like she's, this is the first time that we've ever really seen Sydney as like a truly adult grown ass, like wearing a Victoria Beckham, like dress <laughs> for a press conference woman. Like she's a, a, a grown ass woman who like owns her life. She owns her story. You know, she's like not afraid of like, like you said, like, she's, like, leaning into being, like, a celebrity. Yeah. And it's cool. And she's, like, she's so just, she's, it's, like, it feels cliche to say that she's a badass, but she's just so, um, she has no time for the bullshit. Like, she doesn't. She's, like, that's, that's a good way to put it. Just, like, she doesn't have time for your bullshit right now. No, she doesn't want to know the whole thing or the whole reason. She doesn't care. Like, she just wants to kill the killer. She, when she knows that there's a killer in the house, she picks up a knife and she's the person who's now following and trying to find them. Like, yeah, she's taunting the killer to make them come to her. Like, she's ready to kill them as quickly mm-hmm. as she can because she knows she will. She's like, listen, I just got this huge check. I'm, I'm, I'm writing on that book money. Let me enjoy this. <laughs> Yeah, you're I'm not gonna let you stop to kill you. <laughs> okay, I always kill who's trying to kill me. What don't you get? It's kind of my thing. I've killed like eight people, so um I also like the Dewey and Gale in this of this movie is uh Gale looks so good in this movie. Oh my god. The 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 scene where she's walking through the police station oh in that purple god. dress. Only like her body can wear that dress. She looks amazing. And now we have like Kardashian hair, Gail. Yeah. <laughs> we have middle <laughs> hair. Just like all the way down. So good. I can't wait to see what Gail's going to look like in the next one. I can't either. I can't wait. She to- is a different human body every single movie. She's, <laughs> <I know. laughs> she's the one who's like, all right, next movie, I got to look completely different from the one before. She is the most drastic. I mean, Gail Scream 1 versus Gail Scream 2, I swear to God, 
You can't, mm-hmm. I still don't believe it was the next year. I'll never believe it. <laughs> I can't fathom it. She's like, yeah. the Scream 1 Gale is like Lisa Kudrow going to search for a job in fucking Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> and then Scream 2 Gale is like the craft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> exactly just, right. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then what are your, okay, so let's talk about what are your hopes and dreams and wishes for Screen 5? Like, what do you hope will it will be? That, that's a loaded question because on one hand, you do want to be like, oh yeah, I just want to like have all like the original trio back again and hopefully they solve another murder. But I just know <laughs> that one or more than one of them are going to like die. And it's going to be fucking devastating because we... <sighs> What's interesting is like now we're by the time Scream Five will be released, it would be the same amount of time from Scream Three to Scream Four. So we're mm-hmm. doing it's two that we're in another decade, because the whole thing like Scream Four's tagline is "New Decade, New Rules." Right. Oh God. And so now with this one, we've gone another decade without a Scream movie, which is so crazy to think about. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do with the story because one, Wes Craven, R.I.P., has passed mm-hmm. and Kevin Williamson is not writing it. Um, it is going to be written and directed by the team who was behind Ready or Not. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Ready perfect. or Not. And that is a really fun horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I know that they can get the tone right because that's Ready or Not kind of had that tone. Yeah, Ready or Not is really, really great. If you guys haven't seen that movie, it's fucking... If you're a horror fan, like, Ready or Not is amazing. It's so fun to watch. It's really legitimately funny. They did a great Final Girl movie. Oh, my God. They created such a good Final Girl. She was amazing. And it it has the same kind of dark humor as Scream. Mm -hmm. Like, when Scream is at its best... It yes. like, really felt like that. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting to see like this new interpretation of it because everyone behind the camera has not worked on a Scream film before. So it's going to be a whole new like re- like take on it. Um, so I was reading the cast as of today, Nev Campbell is officially signed on for Scream 5. Yeah. And so now we do have the original trio with Gail Dewey and Sydney coming back. And right before we recorded, it was announced that Marley Shelton is coming back as Deputy Judy Hicks. It was so much fun. That was so fun to read. (laughs) I know. And I was reading that Nev, um, you know, Nev was like kind of the last, like, you know, big, like, main character to sign on. And she's. No, they they quietly announced like half of the cast today, too. Yeah. And like, I I read her saying that she was really, like, when they told her what they wanted to do with the movie, that she was like, I'm into it. Like, yeah, you know, and I trust I trust Nev Campbell's um, opinion on what should happen to her character at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because now um, with this version of this new film, we have like a primarily like young Hispanic cast, which is really exciting. Because mm-hmm. I because we're going back to Woodsboro, but Woodsboro is not we've never seen much of it. So now we get to see, I guess, like the Mexican part of town. And as a Mexican person, that's really exciting. Yeah, it'll be cool um, to like actually dig in and like lean into only what what's going on on the other side of town, like kind of thing. Yeah, I am. I am. You know, I just my heart races for uh, 
who will die and how. I know, especially because now with the the writers behind it, like they're brutal. Yeah, I've seen that movie. I've seen Ready or Not a hundred thousand times. It's going to be a brutal bloodbath. It is. It's going to be so intense, and, and I'm really excited. You know, Dewey or Gale almost always, both of them almost always die. So it's like either of them could very easily die. They've both been shot and stabbed a million times. Um, it would make sense yeah. if Sydney finally died, which kills me. I mean, yeah, we don't. I mean, I can't even think about that before bed. <laughs> I can't even let my like, brain go there. Like, be, calm down, calm, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you like hear the t- like my mic there. being thrown across the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any? I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts about Scream before we stop talking about it? And I want to cry because I could do this every day. I mean, we're just gonna text each other anyway about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this conversation is not over. Um, no, it's it's really interesting. Like, we don't have a franchise like this with the longevity that this has had. So it's really exciting. It, is it annoying that we have to wait ten years for the, every single movie to come out? Sure. Yeah. But I can't wait to see like the new story because everyone at first was kind of like, oh, it's just gonna be a re- like a reboot of scream mm-hmm. but it's not it's a conti- it is scream five we're continuing the story without because they they tried rebooting it remember scream the series i'll never forget Ooh, geek. <laughs> so yeah if, if anyone doesn't know like scream like there's a tv series that came out like a couple, five years ago and had nothing to do with the original movies had no. it was not in canon this ma- the mask was entirely different they just used it was just the basically, name to get people to watch. They really just used the name. Yeah, there was, it was just the name. Like it was a whole different costume. It was really, it wasn't awful. I did watch all of it. Yeah, it wasn't. And terrible. then it didn't make any sense. Yeah, so they had two seasons, and then like for a while there was no, like it got canceled. But then they brought back season three with a whole new cast and the actual mask. Did you ever watch season three? I did not watch the third one. Okay, it's really bad. I mean, Kiki Palmer was great in it, but it was weird because they rebooted the series in the series because it's a whole new cast, a new story, has nothing to do with seasons one or two, and they actually had the real costume for it this time. So it's just, it's a mess. Like, it's so weird. That's a messy cash grab. Yeah. And it came out, like, years after season two had ended. So, like, by the time it popped up, I remember it popped up, like, a year or two ago because I was in Austin. I was like, oh... And it like VH1 took it over, and Queen Latifah was the head producer of the show. It didn't oh, make any sense. God, oh God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! That just saying that Queen Latifah was, was uh, that gives me a headache to even think about. My God, Jesus! Yeah, they really just like fumbled the ball on making it its own <laughs> series. Like it, it, it deteriorated immediately. Well, I think that I sort of announced it. I mean, I, yeah, I posted it on Instagram that I'm going to be doing, I mean, from now until like throughout October, like I'm going to be incorporating spooky content into the podcast. So I'm so excited. Yeah. If you want to come back to talk about a different horror movie or a different franchise or whatever, like we can totally do that. Oh, absolutely. That'd be great. I can talk for hours about anything like that. Um, I, you mentioned it earlier, but like, I would love to like, just really get into Jennifer's body talk. We should do that because I love because that. That is a movie that I mean, I still watch it regular. I, I watched it last week and the week before. Like, I always play that movie because it's so good. 
I'm going to send you at this moment when we hang up, I'm going to send you the Diablo Cody episode of that podcast because yeah, it's definitely. just a celebration of that movie and it being ahead of its time. So listen to that and then we can record it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, I'm down. Any, <laughs> like I said, any, any movie or anything, any spooky stuff, like I am down. Well, Jay, tell people where they can follow you on the interwebs. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am at not Jay Reyna on Instagram and then just Jay Reyna on Twitter. Um, J-A-Y-R-E-Y-N-A. Everyone likes to put an R-A-Y in my last name and can never find me. So I always have to spell it out for people when I'm doing a podcast. Uh, so be like, yeah, your name was spelled wrong. I was like, no, it's not. You spelled it wrong. Yeah, I know yeah. the spelling of my name. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, yeah, find me on Instagram and Twitter is where I'm most active. If you find my Facebook, I'll probably add you. I don't pay any attention to that, really. That's well, Jay, no land. I love you. Thank you so much for doing that. I couldn't have done this with anybody else, so thank you for doing this with me. Seriously. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for having us. So much fun. Like, again, like, we're still going to continue this conversation after. Like, yeah. I'm as a Scream 5 developments, <laughs> like, start pouring in. All right, just emailed you the or alternate Scream 4 scene, by the way. Yes. Thank you. It is emailed to you. Well, you Thanks guys, for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. It's so much fun. Of course. And I, I'd like encourage everybody to watch all of the screens in a row because why would you not yes. after listening to this? You must. And let, <laughs> let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Bye, Jay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.